Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Sarah Powell, Human Resources Director at Le Manoir au Quatre Saisons. Coming up on today's show, Sarah talks about mouse communication. Yeah, the message will soon get around the mice community, I guess. Phil uncovers the solution to the staffing crisis. 600 staff members growing on trees. And Sarah tells us the story of her worst ever interview. And as I walked along, I fell and I got covered in mud. Absolutely covered in mud halfway through the interview. All that and so much more as Sarah talks us through her story and journey to date. Sarah has an excellent career so far, which now sees her leading the human resources function at one of the most iconic hotels and restaurants in the UK. She talks with great passion and authority throughout our chat and is another shining example of how your career can unfold if you remain open to the opportunities that come your way. A massive thank you to Sarah for coming on to share her story. Don't forget, we launch a brand new episode every Wednesday, so make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a like and a share across your favourite social networks. Let's share these stories as far as we can. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today we're back in Human Resources and we welcome the Human Resources Director of one of the UK's most iconic hotels and that is none other than Le Manoir au Quat Saison and I have no idea if I've pronounced that correctly. It's now part of the Belmont Hotels Group so I am delighted to welcome to the show the one and only Sarah Powell. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Um, so, sort of pronounced correctly, I'll say. <laughs> Go on then. What, what's, what, so it's what, Le Manoir or Quatre Saisons. Cat. Quatre Saisons. I should yeah. have known that, actually. <laughs> but, uh, but there we are. And that was the one question I didn't ask you before <laughs> we came on, was how to pronounce it properly. But there we are. There's a whole history of me mispronouncing stuff across this show. I kind of just get on with it now. Well, you can add it into the to the mix then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Another one. How are you anyway? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. I think we're it's a quite a nice sunny day for once and we, we are open. So we can't have any better than that, can we, at this minute in time? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that's just been music to everyone's ears, hasn't it? To be able to be let off the leash a little bit and just get on with what, what you get on with. Yeah, and I think it's been when we open the the gates on the seventeenth and welcome the first guests, you, you get another level of energy. And I think it's it was good. We had the energy of everyone coming back two weeks before. We had the training. We had everybody getting back and and reskilling again. And then as soon as you open the gates, it's just a different level. And it's just I think only the guests can bring that with the team. So it was just really yeah. nice to to finally do it for the third time. But hopefully the last. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, in many ways, it, it feels like a new opening, doesn't it? In terms of the the planning that you have to do to get reopened again, get everything kind of yeah, back definitely. Up to, well, to our, our our team finished with the Christmas menu almost when we closed. Right. Uh, we, we closed on Christmas. No, Boxing Day we closed, and so we they they got we were cooking the Christmas menu, and and now we're going into the summer menu. So it's a, it's a big Smart. kind of gap that we've had. Um, to start again so but yeah it was it is like a new opening in a way it's a new start everybody's looking forward to getting back and getting a bit of normality a bit of structure in their lives so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good to be open and that brings its own energy as well doesn't it that uh, that kind of anticipation and excitement that here we are we're, do, we're we're off again yeah and as soon as you bring the guests like I said it's everybody goes gets back to this is what we do so it's just nice yeah. and to kind of click into that mode that only a guest can bring. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see everybody back doing what they do best. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're sat at home today, which is a, a kind of another part of the new normal. 
It is. It a, is. A bit here and a bit there. Um, where is home for you? So I live in between Evesham and Stratford-on-Avon, um, so a little bit of a distance from the hotel, but it's good to have a couple of days at home now and again. Um, you can save all the admin for those days and spend the time that you're there on site with the team, talking to the team on site rather than sat behind a computer all the time. So, yeah, it's quite nice to get the balance. Yeah, that, that's actually a really, I hadn't really thought about that in terms of, it actually allows you, I, I, I suppose, to compound martial. Okay, I've tried. I've tried saying that before, and I, I always fail. <laughs> Separate your life into um, into the stuff that makes sense for you to do while you're at home, and the stuff that makes sense for you to do while you're at property, rather than trying to merge everything together uh, every time you're you're sat behind your desk at, at the the property. Yeah, it just frees you up because I think if I know that I've got a day scheduled to be at home, then all of the emails, the admin can, can wait and I can get out and about and spend time with the team. And and rather than sending emails or trying to get hold of them, it's just literally physically going into the site and starting to talk to them and, and make those connections because that, that's a big part of HR and being in hospitality in general is. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of being behind a computer all, all day, every day. So it's quite nice to, to have the mix. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning of your your career. And how did you get into this wonderful industry in the first place? It's a bit of a strange road, as as most people have. I oh, never. I like that. That's oh, a good start. Bit, bit, of, bit of a strange road, <laughs> just because I can't. I'm not one of those people, unfortunately, that will sit here and say, you know, when I was three, it was my dream. Mm. It, it just when I was younger, I don't have an answer to what do you want to be when you grow up or what did you want to be when you grow up not hopefully I have but um <laughs> it's uh, it's I was always a child who quite lived in the present and so the future didn't really occur to me if I'm honest and so I never really yeah. thought about what I was doing the next day or the next year so when I finished school the only thing I was really good at was languages so I decided okay. to go to university to study languages because I didn't really know what to do and it just seemed the next the next step and I, I really enjoyed it I was there for four years three years of I, three years of which were at the university and one year we had to do a placement abroad so it does it's similar to the hospitality degrees that are, are there now because obviously they have to follow the same pattern mm. um I didn't want to go to normally we'd, we'd have to go to a, a France or Spain or Italy depending on the languages that you spoke for your placement but I thought that sounded a little bit too little bit too mundane for me I wanted a little normal. bit different a little yeah. bit normal I, I could go to I can just jump on an easy jet and head over to France so I wanted to do something different and so the French have a lot of colonies um so I decided to head to one of the colonies um in the Indian Ocean for a year um and it was an amazing experience I have to say I was an English teacher there and I loved it um the school right. was right near the beach um, I started work at 5am and finished at 1 because it was too hot to work after that. Oh. Um, living the dream. Ooh. It was it was a lovely place. Um, yeah. But when I came back to, to university for my final year, I kind of came back with a bump and was promptly sent to the careers advisor uh, because, I, as usual, I didn't have a plan of what was next. I was going to ask you about that because the, the what do you do with languages other than... Well, the, the, oh, that's the only thing he told me was to teach and as I'd been an English teacher for a year abroad whilst it was English as a foreign language it it, it just I don't have I don't have the patience gene I was never born with that and so right. for me to be a teacher it, it just it wouldn't it wouldn't work uh, whatsoever so 
um, yeah, the only thing that he could think of for languages was just teaching. And that is what he said to everybody in my course. And I think about 60% of my course actually went on afterwards to do their teaching qualifications. So it was kind of a, a natural path, but it just was, it was never for me. And he actually mm. had a little careers book. I can still remember it. And he turned his pages to L for languages. And the only job that was listed in his little careers book was the Hilton graduate scheme. And you had to speak two languages in order to apply. Is that right? Yep, my that was the only thing goodness. that was there. <laughs> so that that's where my journey kind of started, really. And I just researched it a little bit and thought, oh, I get to travel, I get to um, see different people, learn different skills, different uh, different countries, different people. So mm. I, I applied for that. I only applied for that. Looking back, it, again, it never occurred to me to apply for anything else. So it was an actual it was a six month process. And this was probably Ooh, a good 15, 16 years ago now, probably longer. Mm. So it's a good six month process. Every month we had to do some form of assessment, whether that be a maths assessment, uh, a logical thinking assessment, an English assessment, um, your second language assessment. So each month they sent you assessments. And if you passed the next month, you got another assessment sent to you. So it just kind of carried on, really. Right. I find it interesting that the, that, I mean, that's actually setting the bar quite high for a graduate program is to insist that somebody can speak two languages. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, I don't know if they do it now, to be honest. I know I, I was the mm. first cor- first kind of cohort they had that we had an operations program and we had the corporate program, which went more into kind of sales and revenue and, and pricing and um, everything more in the, the, the corporate office there. But yeah, because the placements, you had to spend a year in the UK and a year abroad. And so they wanted you, and then depending on what language you spoke was depending where, which hotel they sent you in terms of the program that you did. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it was, um, it was a requirement then, whether it is now, I, I, I'm not too sure, but, but no, so we did, I did a six month kind of an assessment center. And then I, about three weeks before I was due to finish university. So just before my exams, I got an email to say that I was, could I attend the final assessment center? which I thought, yeah, not a problem at all. And when I scrolled down, the final assessment centre was in the Hilton, Barcelona. So it was an okay. absolute no-brainer that I went to Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you to insist, if you insist. I thought, well, if, you go, if you're going to pay, then I'll, I'll pop down. Um, yeah. so, so I think I did three days over in Barcelona. And I walked in, I'll always remember, I walked on the first day and there was about 25 of us and they were taking 25 down to 10. Right. And I walked oh, in and... A, that's, a, that's a bit of pressure. Yeah. And you were told straight away, there was no kind of hiding. It was in the email that we had. So we all knew that we were in kind of competition. And, and I walked in the room and, you know, a couple of people already worked for Hilton and were internal candidates. A, a, a lot of people had done hospitality management degrees. They were looking really smart, really professional. And I just walked in and thought, well, I'm not going to get this. I just instantly thought, no, it, it's not. It's I'm, I'm not this kind of this kind of person. So I think I did something which I learned was probably one of my biggest lessons was I was just myself. I spent the whole yep. three days just being myself, just talking to people. The, the assessments that we had to do, anything from presentations to interviews, we had to write a letter of, there was a guest complaint letter. And we had to write a response to that letter. And 
Um, that's how old it was. I don't think we had email as much as we yeah. had the letters oh, to guests. Um, it's the same in my time as well. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I just spent three days just really enjoying it, to be honest, um, and you know, getting to know the people, and and I found some really um, good people there that are still friends to this day, and, and still work for Hilton in, in some aspects, and. So yeah, we I enjoyed it. I, I flew home, and then three days later, I got the call to say that I've been successful, and could I start in a couple of weeks' time? So that was the the start of my journey, if you like. Fantastic, yeah. And what I love about that is is that you're you're here. The the kind of the plan is happening to you, right? It's you're you're not making the plan. Yes. Again, I'm another one of those people that I'm. It's in HR, and it's terrible, but I, I've never had a plan. But yeah. <laughs> I also, it works in a way that I, I say can to cut people, that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who knows me knows I have no plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it just means that I've always been open to anything. I've open been yeah. open to the next opportunity, the next hotel, the next company, and it's it's good in a way because I meet a lot of students in in the work that I do, and we have interns, and we have lots of different kind of connections with with universities and colleges and and other areas, and some sometimes people don't have a plan and so I'm, I'm quite happy to say to them you don't always need a plan it's great to have one but it will work out okay if you don't yeah. if you still have a, you know my, my plan was I, I once I got into hotels I absolutely loved it and my plan was then to stay in hotels but there was no clear pathway that I had in my head um, it was just to kind of see what happened and, and go along with everything so that's that's led me to where I am today so I can't complain um, yeah I think so, it's yeah. it's massively important because I, there could be a, an awful lot of students listening to to something like this and thinking, you know, and, and stressing about the fact that they don't have a plan. But I I am absolutely on the same page as you. I I I graduated and didn't have an a, an a clue what I wanted to do other than that I knew that I wanted to go and see a little bit of the world, and that's when I kind of stumbled on cruise ships and yeah, and that became my career path because I fell in love with it. And I think if you don't have a plan, and by the way, I'm 43 years old, and I'm not sure I still have a plan. <laughs> um, the you know you're you're still it, as you say you it allows you to see opportunities. Whereas you know if you're too focused on the plan, then maybe you pass up the uh, an opportunity that that might take you into a different direction that ends up being. Uh, you know a very special part of your life yeah and I'm I'm a firm believer on it's it's not the kind of destination it, it, it's the journey that you go on and I, I've yeah. met so many people and especially in hotels who have a, a fixed and it, don't get me wrong it works for some people definitely but they're so fixated on a particular position by a particular age and I just think they miss out on so much in that sense because they're, they're so one track minded mm. and actually they could go and do a different company or, or they could sidestep or they could, you know, move around. And when they get there, they're there so young and then it becomes a, Oh, now what? Because my whole, my whole career has been to get me to this point And now I've got there, they haven't thought beyond that. So I think it, yeah. it's great to have a plan, but don't kind of lose sight of the journey along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, I also talk uh, quite openly about the fact that it's, it's good to start with the end in mind, at least have a, an idea as to, yep. to what that end looks like, but but be aware of the deviations that will inevitably come your way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when, when I started in Hilton, I, it, was, it was great because I got to work in every single department. So I could then yep. see which departments I really enjoyed, which departments. So I, I went into the two years with a really open mind as to what 
there was, there was no plan in that sense. My plan was to, to complete the programme, but to spend my time in every department and, and learning everything I could. Um, mm. And then I then spent a couple more years with them. And then that is what made me then realise that the biggest thing that mattered to me most in, in my career was was my team and it was my people. And so that's what kind of moved me on to the, the career path of going into HR then. So and then that's when I've I've moved and done different things and, and taken different opportunities. But it was just from my time working around every single department and getting to know every single thing. My main kind of factor and everything, the one thing that I enjoyed in every single position that I did was 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 the people side. Yeah. And that's probably then when you start, I suppose, that you've connected with the industry then at that yeah. point, because you've identified that it's, you know, you I, I'm niche. enjoying this people <laughs> part. Yeah. Uh, or, or, so then I've now just got to figure out which which direction I'm going within Yeah. Uh, from all of the different directions that are available. Yeah, definitely. So you, you cited on HR. When did you kind of, because you've, you've also, you've done training in your background as I... Yeah, so I, I, when I, I did my first year with Hilton at the Hilton Newcastle Gateshead and it had just opened, it was quite a new property just then. Um, and then my second year was with the Hilton Paris cluster of hotels. So I was based at the Hilton Paris Eiffel Tower, but I worked for the um, EMEA region. And then when I came back to the UK, I was given the position of um, housekeeping manager at the Hilton Birmingham Metropole, which, if you know it, is a monster of a property (laughs) (laughs) how I got how I got that job still I think fair play because you know little old 22 year old me never worked really in housekeeping and now I had a team of 120 room attendants and 800 bedrooms Um, and that was the biggest learning curve to and that was my biggest kind of self-learning in terms of just to get people on on side just to get people to, to build that team because you know when I first started it was very much what you know, who, who are you to tell me? I've worked in housekeeping for 35 years. <laughs> so it was, it was right, a big, yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a big kind of steep learning curve for me, but I spent three years there and I, I genuinely loved it. And I, I loved the team and, and we, 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 we built something really special with, with the team that we had, but I decided that was my moment then when I decided I, I needed to do something more and I wanted to get into HR. So I started with the training side first. So I moved to a hospitality training company and I spent a year gaining my qualifications, um, training all sorts of different MVQs, different, all based in hospitality. But I did everything but the the kitchen ones. I wasn't allowed in the kitchen. I didn't have a chef background, which is right. So, yeah, so I wasn't allowed in the kitchen, but I did all the others. And um, I think that's probably a fair comment not to allow me in the kitchen. But um. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah I, I spent a year with them and I, I did enjoy it but I think what I really missed and this is why I knew that hospitality was for me what I really missed was being on site with the team right all day every day you know I went in I trained somebody I got them to their level two their level three we got them promoted but I never saw them then progress any further I never saw the training that they'd just gone through with me having any impact on the business because I was just in and out of all these different businesses all the time so I decided I wanted to go back on site I wanted to be in the mix you know in the thick of it and so I started my HR career then really and I I took on um, HR and training manager role for Crown Plaza Um, And then I was given the opportunity to work for a a brand called Luxury Family Hotels that's still still in operation now. It's it's 
slightly different to when I joined. It was a very, very new company when I joined. Um, fantastic company to work for, really, really passionate um, about the properties. And they had some amazing properties around the UK. So I looked after, I was their HR for the group. Um, and again, I loved it. It was almost like a new opening because we had to start from scratch. But I just, again, missed being on property because I was I was quite home based. And obviously, with the last year, it's been interesting that we've all had to go home based. But um, but no, I, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the home based at, at that point. And so I saw that Soho House were opening Soho Farmhouse at the time. So they're kind of Oxfordshire um, house. So Soho House yeah. is the private members clubs. And I, I went along. And it was probably one of the worst interviews I've ever done. Because right. when I arrived, it was the 20th. I was always remember, story here. Oh, I'll always remember it was the 24th of December. It was snowing. It was raining. It was freezing. It was it was awful. And I got to the, the site and it was just a field. And I've been told to bring to bring a coat, which was fine. I bought my coat. But they didn't tell me to bring any wellies or anything right. so I was just in my trousers and my just just some flat shoes I think oh, goodness. and I walked around and it was just there was just little bases where all of the cabins were going to go but it was just a complete muddy field covered in just mud and snow and rain it was awful and as I walked along I fell and I got covered in mud oh. absolutely covered in mud halfway oh. through the interview <laughs> and the UK director at the time Duncan turned around and looked at me and I thought oh god and I had mud all over my face it was everywhere and then my husband had actually driven me to the interview because we were going up to see family for Christmas and he wouldn't let me get back in the car and he had to cover it in a bin bag big fan had to drive all the way up to our family with a bin bag covered in mud and I just looked at him and he was like I don't think you've got that job and I was like I don't think I've got it either Um, but amazingly I I was I was offered a job to uh to be the people and development manager for the opening and the very first day I walked in and the events manager was hired she was already there when I was having my interview and she looked at me and she went were you the girl who fell over in the mud I was like yes great thank you (laughs) that's what you will now be remembered as. oh yeah so that was the um that was my introduction to Sir House I was just literally covered in mud um, but you have to laugh. I just, it was one of those things. I couldn't, I couldn't do, do anything else, right? but I mean, carry on in you, the interview you, covered in mud. So Yeah, you clearly showed your uh, adaptive capability and your resilience. Oh, it's, it, I just couldn't write it. So I just, you just have to, uh, you just have to carry on. But, but no, I mean, to open, I, I always wanted to have an opening and Soho Farmhouse was definitely an opening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an enormous, enormous opening. And, and I loved it, to be honest. I, I spent four years, uh, just over four years with, with, the, with the team there. So I think I was around employee number two or three. When I left, there was about 602. Um, wow. So it was a, a, another monster of, of a property. And, and two years into my time there, I also was given Babington House. So I looked after uh, Farmhouse and Babington House. So anything that was kind of outside of London. Um, yep. And it was a great team. I loved it. It was one, it was an opening, but two, it was a different branch of hospitality with it being the private members side of, of the of the business. So it, it was another, yeah. it was two kind of new areas to me. But I think after four years, it was just anyone who's done an opening knows it it takes it out of you it's not no doubt. It's, it's well especially something like that that's a that yeah. was a, a, a beast uh, it was. in its own right yeah and, and I suppose in some ways it, it was a bit of a pioneer for the area definitely yeah you know, so taking on something like that all of these new things for a particular area where as well you don't have you know 600 staff members growing on trees yeah you know, just around the corner, there's got to be, I, I'd imagine, some creativity around how you 
yeah, it was bring people into the business. It was almost like creating a small village right. <laughs> when we were there, yeah. um, in the middle of the, the Oxfordshire countryside. And and I th- I just think it got to a point. I think anybody knows when, um, or especially me, knows when it's time for something new. I think you know my my, my plan, if you can call it that, when when I got to Sir House was, was to have that to have that opening and, and to have that experience. And then there was so much more additions made to the site. There were so many changes that just kept everything going. And then the site for me got to a point where I'd I'd done what I could do. I'd done what I needed to do. And I also needed a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just took some time off, to be honest. I, I, I left there in the, in the March and just took a couple of months off. And I actually was in my local pub. I'm lucky enough to be the one that's bought the house next to the pub. And... So when I was just in there one night, she said, oh, I just I just need some help. I'm just really struggling for staff. And I was like, oh, I can do it. But just to let you know, I don't work evenings or weekends. And she looked at me and she said, oh, OK. Uh, I said, oh, but I'll do your lunch services for you. Not a problem at all. So mm. she, um, I, I just helped them out, to be honest. And I just worked in the local pub, got to know all my, my lovely neighbours because we'd, we'd recently moved to the area. And it was just really nice almost to get back to that kind of basics, just to go and work in the local pub. <laughs> yeah, but so, yeah, I, you I get, know, you know, I, I when people make moves into to new areas, it's one of the toughest things to do, right? Is to, to integrate unless you're out and about doing stuff, then you know, what better way to integrate than to be a, a, yeah, a face going, of one of the locals. Yeah, going to work in a local pub, get to know what everybody likes, what everyone drinks and then what everyone chats, what you know, then and just it was it was just a really nice I only did it for two or three months, but it was just some it was just nice to get back to that and to to just get back to basics in hospitality I, I really enjoyed it yeah and I'd worked in pubs and bars on my way through university because you know you have to pay the rent but um yeah, yeah it was just nice to get to get back to it and then I saw that the opportunity at Le Manoir became available so so yeah I went to go and talk to Evelyn the general manager and as they say nearly two years later I'm I'm still here well, I can't really call it two years because last year was a bit of a write-off, isn't it? The last twelve months. <laughs> well, <laughs> in terms I, I, of well, yes and no, and yes in many and no, ways, yeah. from a from an HR perspective, probably the most one of the most necessary roles in the, yeah. In the business. Toughest year through that Definitely period. The toughest year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and you know when well when Le Manoir comes calling, I think that's very difficult to to turn down the the opportunity. It's got such a wonderful reputation. Not just as a place to go and you know experience hospitality at its finest, but but as a place to work. I mean, I, I've spoken to a great deal many people over the years who who have worked there, and it's uh, you know it's repu- it has a wonderful reputation, and so you know that no pressure, but that uh, that falls on you <laughs> to to maintain. <laughs> it does, and and I have to say it is it is very true about the property. It is you can feel it when you walk around it's a very we, we call it the family and there's a lot of hotels that I've worked for that that you know call themselves the family and, and to an extent they are but not to the extent that I've felt it at Le Manoir mm. everybody is it's it's a small property but it has a really large team which is you know you wouldn't have expected the numbers that we have for, for the, the amount of bedrooms that we have but it's such a big right. operation really and you've got people who've been there since the hotel first opened and you've got people who started on you know this week with us so we've got a whole range of kind of length of service but I've, I've never been anywhere where the length of service is so high where people come and then they stay for for a, you know not just one year or two years we're talking kind of 15 20 25 years and so it's yeah, yeah it's it is it, it's palpable the 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 specialness of Le Memoir definitely yeah so you guys have got the blueprint to help solve the staffing crisis then I'd like to think so, but 
and that's that's a, that's a bigger problem i think for sure it's definitely i mean it's one of the the elements that that businesses absolutely need to to do is just just obviously look after your own space first right i mean and just make sure that you're doing something brilliant to to make sure that people want to come work for you and and want to stay and work for you they yeah. they might not stay forever uh, obviously there are people that that will continue to want to climb that that maybe outgrow what your property can offer but but nevertheless uh you know if you're doing what you can to make it a nice place to be then you, you're you're doing phase one correctly yeah yeah definitely and people do change and grow and want to develop and what's quite about nice about Le Manoir is they will they will grow and develop with us they'll, they'll go somewhere else they either keep in touch or when a you know a, a higher position becomes available they come back to us <laughs> so yeah. um it's it, it's quite nice to, to have that but it's i'm never sad if somebody is leaving obviously it is sad if somebody leaves but i'm never sad if they're leaving us for something better for their career that they've found and you know we've been a part of that journey for them so it, it is the you know before people start with us whilst they're with us but it's also that after part as well that they'll always still be part of part of Le Manoir's history and part of the family that we have there yeah absolutely and well and obviously you've got uh, a fairly low profile chef uh, in your kitchen as well um, yeah definitely low profile <laughs> nobody's heard of him <laughs> I actually I had um I had somebody else on the the show episode 47 Mitch uh, Collier I think I yeah did- Here's another one that I keep mispronouncing because he even had a, a, a told me on the show that it's not, don't speak it like it's French. It's, you know, it's Collier or something like that, not Collier, um, yeah. as I have been calling him. So I apologize again, Mitch, for getting that wrong. <laughs> and we spoke, and this is, I'm going to bring this up, bring this up because I'm manifesting it into reality that uh, we talked about the visualization of Raymond Blanc in a Winnie the Pooh outfit. So that's the second time I'm going to bring this up. <laughs> I think in third time it becomes fact. So okay, or something like Look that. Look out yeah. for the next so one. Just, <laughs> just drop that by him the next time you're chatting. I will. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, he. I think he's, you know, he's just an icon of the industry, isn't he? And and everything that he does, he certainly comes across as doing doing so with genuine positivity. Like he's not, he's not forcing himself to do what he's doing. He's doing what he was born to do. Oh, 100%. I think out of anybody that I've met, Raymond is very much what what you see is what you get. And it is just true yeah. passion that he's driven by. And it is fantastic. If we have um, new starters on site and, and Raymond's on site as well, just to get him to come and spend, we, we say five minutes and it turns out to be about 35 minutes, but yeah. just just to get him to say a few words to them, they just sat staring open mouthed and it's, it's priceless. You, you can't you know, if I've said to him before, if I can bottle what you give to our team, <laughs> um, it would be an absolutely you know, key ingredient that I would give to everybody. Um, yeah. But it's just amazing to watch the sheer passion that comes out of him. You can't help but be inspired. You can't help but want to be with him on his journey. Um, yeah. And he brings everybody in. And I think, you know, what, what you see and, and how he is, that 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 is what we see every day. And, you know, he's he'll walk around the site he'll say hello to the team he'll he'll talk to everybody he wants to know if what's happening with his team and it's 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 a real kind of privilege to to work with him and to 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 watch the team when when he's around it's yeah it's 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 special yeah and well, that level of inspiration is incredibly infectious isn't it and the, yeah um he is a, he's a classic energy giver you know he 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 just emits energy he doesn't take it 
from from a room or certainly from from what i see from the outside looking in you know and these are the the people that you you enter a room with and you walk out of that room feeling like you can take on the world yeah 100% 100% you can see it with the new starters they walk in and he goes around and he and he asks me you know what what what's your job here what will you be doing here um and when they say it's just like important job great job couldn't do this without you and so he makes them feel fully integrated and you know I, I've heard people when they say you know I, I say what what position are you and they say oh, I'm just it and I said there's no just in a hotel every position is needed everybody brings yeah. something everyone adds value without you if you know I'm just a kitchen porter no you're not you are the person that keeps the kitchen spinning you know you keep yeah. the plates clean but you keep the plates spinning at the same time <laughs> if yeah, you know, yeah. keeping it all going and and you know the room attendants if it's you know just a room attendant it's not just a room attendant you make the experience so special for our guests that when they walk in they get the wow factor of every single bedroom because of what you've done that day so we really try and make everybody feel that they're part of part of something bigger um, and everybody plays a, a role in that and, and Raymond definitely kind of drives that forward whenever he's he's around and you know his stories are, are amazing stories like you, you can't beat his stories and how he delivers them and in the energy yeah. and so yeah it's 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 interesting times I have to say I've, I've never worked with somebody who is that openly passionate and that driven to and it's not even a drive to succeed it's a drive to for Le Manoir to be the best it can be and to have the best possible team and everybody's taken along on that journey as well. Absolutely and then his personal values I would imagine manifest themselves as kind of company values uh, as well it's certainly within the, the the kitchen. Yeah yeah it's all about the gardens the seasonality where the food has come from you know it's it's, it's not a tomato it's you know where was that tomato picked how, how long did it grow for how how was it transported here what are we doing next is it the season for tomatoes you know it's yeah. these are all the kind of things and when, when people say you know what what's what's the difference of a two michelin star kitchen and and to me that is the difference it's the sheer knowledge that the team have of of the products that we use which is kind of instilled quite quite early on would be the would be the biggest thing for me yeah I, well that the the garden i've been lucky enough to experience i um my my Good lady bought me for my thirtieth a uh, a lunch at the Manoir. Very lucky. Yeah, and uh, and she also arranged for me to have a tour of the garden with the head gardener before we ate, and then we saw some of the things that were from the garden on the plate, you know, at lunch, and that that to me added another dimension that I hadn't even considered. And I'm a I'm a bit of a foodie, but to have to actually see where some of the ingredients came from before you eat the eat the food. Um, oh, it it's just, amazing! It's yeah. um, the, the gardens are absolutely stunning, and, and just walking through. You know, the, the other day when I was on site, just walking through and speaking to one of the gardeners about something, she was picking radishes that would be served in the lunch that day. And it's just, and nothing is wasted. And then you walk through the gardens another time, and you have four chefs walking through, and the gardeners are showing them how to harvest properly so as not to damage the plant. Yeah. Um, and then it is like a little shop; they come down with their order. <laughs> And then the gardeners yeah. pick it and bring it back to the kitchen for 10 o'clock. And it's, it's it's just a real kind of joy. And I think regardless of the time of year, I mean, summer is obviously amazing and spring. And um, But even walking through the depths of winter, there's just so much activity going on. And it's it's just really, and obviously you can't beat fresh, organic produce. And so I think that's what also works well with uh, Fuller Memoir, just to have those beautiful gardens. Yeah. I also learned something about pest control that day because we arrived and there was a guy with a, a falcon and I thought that they were there to deliver a, a guest experience. 
and the falcon was there to ensure that there were no mice uh, in the vicinity uh, of the of the gardens. Um, there you just go. by education hovering. lunch. Oh, I, I was I was <laughs> mind blown. I was like, whoa. Simple thing, actually. I hadn't really thought about that. And they don't catch anything. It's just the presence of them yeah. being there is enough to for the, the, the mice and their relatives to understand that this is not the place for them to be. Yeah. Yeah. The message will soon get around the mice community, I guess. But... <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's going in the intro. That's for sure. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, I mean, obviously, it's been uh, an interesting year. I'm not going to dwell on that because there's plenty of other places where where people can go and get content on COVID-related activity. I'm sure. I, I want to focus on what's next because, obviously, getting reopened has happened. Uh, obviously, we're a little bit still in a little bit of limbo as to full reopening just in terms of you know the full restrictions being lifted we don't know if if that will happen when it was supposed to or not but what's uh, what's what's next for le manoir how do you keep how do you keep ahead of the game basically and and keep yourself at the front end of uh, of people's thoughts i think a big part of that is the team just to keep a fantastic team engaged is a, a um more than a full-time job and I think it, it does start with the team because it, it is a home away from home we want that personal experience and yeah. it's it's been a tough time for the, the team as I said you know we were closed for nearly six months and so it, it will take a good couple of weeks for everyone to fully find their feet and um, we do have quite a few new people that have joined us during this time just to boot because we knew we'd have the business coming into the summer and so it's just kind of keeping that momentum and it, it's constantly challenging ourselves. I don't think Le Mamo has ever been a business that, okay, we've, we've done that really well. Let's just always do that. It's okay, we did that really well. What could we do next time to make it better? And I think we've got mm. a great um, management team at, at Le Mamo that are always looking to do new things, to challenge things. And I, th- I think that's that's part of, of the charm is, is not just sitting there and thinking, you know, we, we are a fantastic property. We're everybody knows Le Manoir, everybody wants to come to Le Manoir. We don't kind of sit on that reputation. We're always looking at, at what we do. And it's always making that connection with the guests. I mean, we had a few guests check out wanting to rebook. And that's the kind of experience that, that we want to give people. And there's, there's lots of plans and things coming up in the future um, to try and add extra things to the site and to um, different, to, to revamp it completely. You know, we're, we're part of a bigger group now. So yes, we're, we're part of Belmont, but we're also just, um, a few years ago, we were bought by Louis Vuitton. So we're now owned by LVMH. And so with that comes kind of new challenges and and fresh ways of thinking. So we're, we're quite excited to see what what brings from that, really. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it gives you the the stability of a of a big powerful brand behind, but it it also feels like there that you still got the uh, the capability to be completely original and not just yeah, it's conform to a brand. Yeah, every hotel with with the Belmont Group has its own individual personality. It has its own charm. It has its own uniqueness, and it's all—it's all about the guest. It's all about this amazing, legendary art of travel of of making people feel that you know even if they're holidaying in, in their own country it's just a special experience that, that that they can only experience with us and so Le Manoir is is really you know lucky to be part of that group that we we also while whilst we I say we are part of the group we can keep our uniqueness we can keep our personality when we're, we're not you know we don't have the same uniforms we don't have name badges we're, we're not in the corporate world and it's all keeping those little elements 
quite small, quite unique, and it, it's all about the detail. For, for any hospitality, that's what we, we train our team. It is all about the detail um, because that, that's what guests remember. Um, yeah. And so just having the right levels of team all the time just to make sure that we can give that personalized service is, is always a big challenge for any company, even more so now that the challenges that we have in the industry for recruitment are, are huge. And, and I don't think we've felt yet the, the full effect of Brexit, but I yeah. think we will soon. Um, and so it is it is a shame because it's such an amazing industry and there's there's so much that that we give but there's also so many people that also rely on us i think we we had a big boost of of people who realized when the lockdown the first time around happened how much they took for granted just popping to their local pub yeah, yeah meeting sure. friends and now you know everything is the spontaneity has gone you know you have to book you have to you know there's all these different rules and regulations and it's really stopped people's social life social lives and i think that's that's been felt massively and so i I hope moving forward that for any hospitality, we that the team start to get the recognition that that whilst it, it's hard work, it is a really necessary for people's mental health, really, <laughs> to get to get out and about and have that That's, social element. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and from a, an HR perspective, how how do you how do you fit within that weave of ensuring that a a, a property continues to excel? I think HR needs to be fully integrated into a property. And I think, you know, it's not just an office that sits at the side that hires and fires. I think, you know, we, we yeah. need to move into a completely different mindset about HR. Um, I mean, you had personnel, <laughs> then it kind of moved into HR, but now it's it, it's evolving into, into much more because it is very... In terms of what we do, and it was, for me, it was amazing to have my operational background because when I speak to our managers and when when we look at the different things that are happening you actually you know what you're talking about because you, you've done their job to some extent or you've been part of that department um, yeah. and so the, the for HR and for me especially I, I'm a firm believer in, in having that credibility and allowing the team to trust you that you you know you understand their challenges their, their problems um, but then it's just helping them to think outside the box and to and to step back a little bit, because when you're operational, you are fully operational. You are focusing on the service that day or the rotor tomorrow or the, the menu changes next week. And so you're fully in the operation and you need someone sometimes that can take a step back and think, what what are the problems that we're facing and how can we creatively fix them? What, what can we do that's different? You know, if you always do the same thing, you're always going to get the same results. And so I think mm-hmm. HR play a really crucial part in helping them to step back, having that neutral opinion over everything, but then also forging those relationships with the team. You know, a big part of the first lockdown for me was to make sure that we kept that connection with the team. And within HR, we called every employee personally. We tried to do it every single month just to check in on them, just to see how they were, just to see if they needed anything. Um, every, Every single employee, every single month, every single level, and some people wanted five minutes to talk, but some people you were on the phone to a few hours for because actually you were the only person they'd spoken to that day. Yeah. And it's just a really you know, sad indication of, of, of what happened last year and is potentially still happening now. But I think as a company with, with HR, if, if you are driving those initiatives to really build people and to engage people and to just just be the, just be there for them. If, if the manager's too busy with service, then my team know they can always come and knock on our door and they can always walk in and they, we can always even take them for a walk around the gardens if they just need five minutes out of the operation for, for whatever mm. reason. And I think if if you have that in your business, then it's that's the value of HR. That That's where a, you know, a, a business needs a, a good HR function is that we 
we very much integrate fully. We're part of the team, but we're also there to to support as as, as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the thing you've just highlighted there as well is also having that kind of individual approach to each individual, uh, for want of a better phrase. And, you know, as you say, if somebody needs five minutes, but somebody needs an hour, is that, you know, then that, that's how you have to adapt to, to the situation. Yeah, everybody, everybody needs something. The amount, I was amazed, the amount of companies that I heard of that just, and not necessarily in hospitality, and in many, many, many industries that had closed their doors and then called to say, oh, you're coming back three months later. And that was the first time they'd spoken to them. <laughs> you just yeah. think, you know, you've got to keep that momentum. And, and I mean, we did all sorts of things. We had pub quizzes, we had bingo, we, we had to move our annual awards to a virtual event. Um, we did a team challenge where we all decided to take to walk around the med and so we we had to walk something like 21 million miles or million right. steps 21 million steps in, in the month of April to get match fit ready for opening in May so we, we undertake a lot of kind of team challenges to, to build up the team definitely yeah if you ever want a, a, an original night do a taskmaster evening they can be done virtually I know ah. this to be true <laughs> I do I do like Taskmaster. I got into it in lockdown. I'm not normally home in time to watch it, but yes, that would be um I know I'm thinking of Richard Osman's House of Games is what I'm thinking of. Oh, uh, okay. Morning. Yeah, I've never actually seen that. Oh, um, you're missing out, I, Phil. You need to. You need well, to. I, I do like Richard Osmond. I think he's uh, anybody that brings intelligence to comedy is all right in my my mind. Yeah, in lockdown one, I turned my long commute into watching Richard Osman House of Games with a gin. So it was, it was a great change of commute for me. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, I recommend Taskmaster as well. Okay. Um, I'll bear that and, in mind. Um, Hopefully I won't need it because we're going to stay open, but I will bear indeed. that in mind. Yes. Uh, maybe I'm going to start a, start a business doing virtual Taskmaster evenings. I mean, That's an idea. That down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're also, um, you're, you're active with the Institute of Hospitality as I see it. Am I correct? Yeah, so I was contacted by Francisco, who is the chair of the Institute of Hospitality for the Thames Valley branch. Um, yep. And we, we'd, we'd seen each other regularly on various different calls and, and platforms that we work on and, and just, just to bring hospitality to the forefront of people's minds and to not only champion people coming into the industry, but also changing people's perceptions of a career within hospitality. So we'd, 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 popped up um, together in quite a few things and, and he made contact with me and and so yeah they, they asked me to join their their branch and if I'm regretting it now because next week it's the hospitality it's the hospitality action to hell and back challenge and right, yeah. I'm on our kind of group and we have to do quite a lot of miles in quite a short number of days whilst working full time so I, that'll be interesting starting next week to see, to see how we do that um, yeah. but no I, th I think it's amazing you know next week we, we we try and you know really look at our members and, and what's really relevant and, and what we can do differently to, to bring more people into the industry and this month with it being pride month we have um, an event uh, next week actually that's going to be a really interesting event talking about well, talking with lots of different people from from various different areas within the hospitality industry just just to highlight lots of different issues and, and matters that that just come up now and again and, and people don't always know how to deal with them so, yeah. so it's, a, it's a really good time to join and there's a new chief executive now that that is joining the the, the institute and so it's it, it's just good because for me it's it's an extra way if you like to champion the industry by you know, highlighting what we do. And, and now we have more and more branches, we can do more and more things, which is, you know, really exciting to see. Yeah, 
absolutely. And I think anybody that's kind of even semi-ways passionate about this industry, I think it, it is a, a wonderful organisation to get involved with. And just to be clear, I'm not on the payroll, just before I, I say <laughs> that. But, you know, there's, there's discussions for kind of anything and everything that's relevant, uh, all of these events that are, are going yeah, on. Yeah, there's, and as you there's say, always uh, something for everybody. Yeah, in in every absolutely. area, and I think if, even if you think oh, I've I've been in the industry for so long, um, you know what what can I learn? Well, at that point, it's not about what can you learn; it's what can you give back. And so they have their mentoring yeah. program, and that you know you can really make a difference to to people who are just coming into the industry. So there is something for all levels, whether it's a student membership, all the way through to the the mentor scheme and the events. And so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to to see what we can do in the future. I just need to get next week out of the way, and then I'll be a bit more excited. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and with a new chief exec as well, who's uh, certainly come out the blocks all guns blazing. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's a good time to join. You know, we are, there's a lot of hopefully new things that are coming into hospitality that, and lots of challenges that we can start pushing in. And who knows if we ever get a minister for hospitality, that'll be the, the next step, won't it? So, Yeah, Bagsy, the first interview with them. <laughs> what to do it or to hold the interview? <laughs> to, to, to hold the interview, yeah. Oh, okay, I'd, I thought you were, I thought you were signing yourself up for the new minister then. <laughs> oh God, no, jeez. No, I, I think uh, it's well, any ministerial role is a thankless task, isn't it? Really, uh, you can't keep everybody happy, but uh, I think it will make a massive difference if we can yeah. make that happen. To yeah. to have just have a great somebody who has a greater understanding of the day to day challenges, um, yeah. and we could all. I, we all owe Kate Nichols a massive debt of gratitude Huge for the work thing. that she's done yeah. in the last twelve months in bridging that gap. But to have some, you know, to have that seat at the table, um, yeah, and to, to have somebody who's who's just got our voice, um, like yeah. you say, who just understands us. Well, I'm not. Well, this is me personally. I'm not expecting great things straight away, but I just think, no. just in in over this last year, it's just been really obvious that we need somebody championing us as hospitality and, and what we do and you know we a lot of people lost faith in the industry because of you know we were the first to be closed and a lot of people saw us as, as the scapegoat whether rightly or wrongly but mm. it, it did change people's perception of, of the industry as a whole as a career and it was a shame because you know all the work that we'd done to really build up the industry I, I, I felt it really kind of changed last year but I also felt a massive sense of pride in all of the companies that came together you know all the all, all over LinkedIn, everywhere, it was just people offering support, people offering yeah. help, trying to get each other jobs to, to to webinars of support. And I just, you know, it's really amazing time, I thought, to be in the industry to just see people step up and, and show, yes, we are in hospitality, but we also can do so much more. It was was a really great thing last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for those of us who have stuck around and are still here, then it's never felt like the industry is more united no so we have a base foundation to work from and move forward from and um yeah it'll be interesting to see how the next 12 months pans out i think you know first and foremost we just need to get everything open everything unrestricted and uh and off and running again yeah Um, it's just for me it's just that my team and everybody's team i guess we they just deserve a bit of stability now. You know, they, they've lived for a year of, are we opening next week? Are we closing next week? Are, are we getting paid? Are we not? Is it furlough? Is it not? And it's it's just not a nice place to be constantly. Um, yeah. So just, just a bit of stability. But I know that's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, 
on the back of the fact that, that Brexit has happened, we all, have, you know, whatever your view on that, we all have to kind of go with the flow on yep. on what that now brings to our lives. But, you know, if, if one of the objectives of, of Brexit was to create a, a world-class country, then you need a world-class hospitality scene to do that. You know, if, if we're going to be a country that people want to come to, then, you know, the hospitality plays a massive part in that and making that happen. So it needs to be taken seriously as a as a career and look at all of the amazing things and directions that that you can do. It's amazing, well, it always amazes me still how many people don't see hospitality as a career. Yeah. And you can have some amazing careers in hospitality. And what I love about it is as I said with my journey I started off in one aspect and I've I've moved to so many different things and so many different hotels and countries and people that I've worked with but it's it's always been moving around and, and learning different things and so it's 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 definitely for, for me it's it's been a career and it will definitely be a lifelong career and I think yeah. it would be great if we had more people that saw it that way and yeah. I'm always amazed when I go and talk to some universities and and I say you know think what, what jobs would you associate with hospitality and, and they just come back with your waitress receptionist yeah. And I just say, you know, at Le Manoir, we have 21 different departments. There's 21 different avenues that you could possibly take. Yeah. In other areas, there's, there's, you know, there's a farmhouse. We probably had about 40 different departments, but, but there's, right. it, it's trying to get that message out there that it's, there's, it, it's not just that one, you know, people are very fixated on. And it's, it's seen as a career that you'd have when you're at uni to pay the bills, which, okay, I, I did, but I also stayed then and never, never left. Mm. I think it's about finding the balance isn't it i mean we yeah. we uh, happily welcome the people who come into the industry to use it as a means to get somewhere else yeah. um but but equally there's so many people that the industry then captures because people come in and, and just connect with it and go yeah actually do you know what forget that law degree that i've started i'm, I'm enjoying this but then also there's that that moment as well i think there's I, I remember, uh, granted, this is 20 years ago, or actually longer than that now, <laughs> God, whereby I had conversations with my careers advisor at, advisors at school. And because I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do, I was naturally pretty good at physics and they were directing me towards physics. But I actually, I might have been naturally good at it, but I, I hated it. I didn't, yeah. it didn't, didn't connect with me in any way, shape or form. So it would have been absolutely wrong for me to go and pursue a career in physics. Yeah. And I think as well, it's really interesting, just when I probably did my, not my career as advisor with the university, but when I was at the school, and you had to fill in this questionnaire to this day, I can remember it just took forever to fill it in. And mine came out, and this is this is genuinely my my two top jobs based on how I'd answered my, my questionnaire. Hmm. Which I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, was my top job was funeral director. Okay. And my, my next job was pest controller. So, you know, I could have been that person with the falcon in the gardens. But Yeah, yeah, but God, look just, what you missed out on. And that that was the careers. And I just think if you actually sat down with a person and looked at their personality, it's, you know, hospitality is all about the personality. And, and yeah. I could have been terrible or great at maths. And it, it makes no difference to to my role now. Okay, I have to do payroll, so it'd be, it'd be better to be better at it. Um, <laughs> but I think if you, it's we're missing a trick in terms of what we do with, with the careers aspect of it. And I'm sure mm. it, it's a lot better. I'm talking similar to you about 20 years ago when I was at school, but 
it is a case of look at the person in front of you and, and then start to have more of a conversation. Don't rely on a questionnaire. And like you say, you're, you're good at physics and that's what you should be doing. Yeah. You can be good at a lot of things, but if you're not passionate about it, it's there's to me, it's if you don't have a job that you're passionate about, I think it's a real shame. Yeah, absolutely. So it needs to be a, a real connection with the industry to the yeah. careers advisors that capture these people uh, yeah. or the, you know, the the people who are at a crossroads as to figuring out what they want to do with their yeah. lives. And we do ask people to make decisions on their careers at a very young age. Oh, no, you have to do it in year nine, don't you? have to choose your GCSEs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and ultimately, I, I didn't connect with the industry fully until I was uh, age 21. Yeah. I had jobs in the industry, but but it wasn't until I went and worked on a cruise ship that I just fell hook, line and sinker yeah. with, with the, the roles that I was at. Because I saw, I saw a path. I saw an opportunity, and I was amazed that you could make progress by having a great attitude to your work I, yeah. that was it I didn't I definitely was not the most experienced guy in the room by a long way but just by turning up every day with a massive smile on my face and giving it everything I had is that all of a sudden you find yourself promoted quickly yeah. and I was like wow really yeah that's all it took yeah you know and a lot's made of the um the fact that the the it's low pay or on entry but that's that's not a hospitality exclusive issue you know any role pretty much on entry level is is not particularly well paid actually as an industry there's lots and lots of lucrative opportunities there is and i think it's not it's some some roles might be seen as, as low pay but i think some of the benefits you get and, and definitely the team that you work with and and i've seen people progress quite quickly hmm in the industry you know it's it's a big industry for and, and we try and do it at, at, um, at Le Mans and, and any other place that I've been that we've been we, we try and recruit the entry levels because when another position becomes available we try and promote from within to, yeah. to you know to get that progression and so to only keep employing kind of entry-level positions and and it, it's just a great foot in the door and I think every kind of general manager I've ever worked with has at some point been a KP or a room attendant or a receptionist and, and then they've worked their way up to, to that position and that's kind of always a, a great story when you're in the hotel that somebody will say you know I, I used to do your job and look where I am today it's yeah. it's possible it's an option and it's kind yeah. of visible progression it's 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 tangible and people can see it and so it's yeah it's it's a it's a good industry in that in, in that respect if, if you do put the hours in you do put the work then you are rewarded for that definitely yeah, absolutely. And I think the, um, the that point on the hours as well, long hours does not define the, the industry either. You know, no. if you're, if you're in working in finance or law or medicine, you know, all of the, I suppose, the perceived yeah, they, they aspirational a, careers, yeah. they do serious hours. Yeah. So we, we definitely shouldn't be defined as an industry no, for that. No, I think there's there's always hours to suit people. You know, if we have people that, you know, if, if we have a part-time position, we, you know, I think long gone are the days when we can dictate the days and the hours. You know, so we, if we have a a, a part-time vacancy for, for so many hours, then it's having that conversation and, and talking to people and say, what would fit for you? And if mm. it fits around childcare or if it fits around studying, then we can make that work. And I think we've... The industry has got a lot better at fitting around people, at looking at people's work-life balance. And I don't think it's there yet. I think there's there's a long way to go. But I think it's, you know, I've I, I used to remember when I did 
you know, I'd, I'd do, I'd work on the bar. So I might, I might open the bar at 10 a.m. I'd then work all the way through. I'd, I'd go home um, for a couple of hours, come back and do the evening shift. And then the, the morning bartender calls in six. So you go home for a couple of hours and you come back in yeah. um, and you just kind of do it. And it's not because you feel that, you know, oh, it's it, it's my job. You feel it's a sense to your guests that you can't let your team down and, and anybody else would do that for you if you were sick as well. Um, yeah. But I, I don't get the sense that, that that is the industry these days. I think it's difficult at the minute because obviously the, there's a lot of recruitment that needs to happen in a lot of areas to get them fully fully you know staffed. But I think in general, it's you know a lot of people that I've, I've um, you know my husband in particular. If, if I'm late back from work, if I'm doing something, if you have a traditional nine to five Monday to Friday job you haven't got this sense as for me in hospitality, I, I won't leave if something's happening or if I'm needed or if, you know, I don't just look at my watch and say, oh, it's 5.30, I've got to go now. Yeah. Um, you know, I can stay there till seven, eight, nine, ten 10 at night because you're with your team and you're, you're getting them through it and you're one big team to achieve the, what we need for that service for that night. And yeah. so in hospitality, you always have this sense. And so sometimes people think, oh, it's long hours, but sometimes you choose those hours as well. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you won't yeah, yeah. go home until the job is done. But I feel a lot better coming home at seven, eight o'clock at night, knowing that it, it's done and, and the service is happening or that somebody's happy to go into service or whatever the problem was, than just walking out the door and picking up the pieces the next day. It's yeah, yeah. So it's but yeah, the hours hours are hours, and like you said, there's a lot of industries that have a huge a huge amount of hours that they're not really discussed but it seems to come onto hospitality doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah and and i apologize i don't actually mean to turn this into a, a, a debate about the things that um that, that's the, why people should come into this industry no don't worry but um no that's great well yeah well if people want to get a hold of you to to learn more about you or or the property and what you guys are up to what's the best method for them to do that uh, it's probably just on LinkedIn. So I'm just Sarah Powell, um, just on LinkedIn. You'll, you'll see me there. I was told once I was I had an interview once. Now, this is the same interview where I fell over and got covered in mud. OK, when they this met is me, a, he, a pretty key interview in your it life. Was. It seems. Well, when Duncan met me, he said, I have to say, you actually look like your LinkedIn picture. And I was like, well, uh-huh. do, do people not? <laughs> it was a really odd. And he was like, you'd be surprised how many people don't look like their picture. <laughs> So apparently, if you find me, I look like my picture. Well, so that's good know. to know. That's good to know. <laughs> I, I did get told once that um, I uh, my my LinkedIn picture was taken ten years ago, and um, uh, okay. so I did upgrade it at that time because, <laughs> I mean, when you look at yourself every day, you don't really know you that you're changing, do you? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and then somebody says, "You do know that that's not really you anymore." <laughs> nope, didn't know that. But there we are. Thanks for reminding me I'm aging. <laughs> yeah, indeed. No, that's great. I, I, I massively appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And um, I wish you guys all the very best through through continued opening and beyond. Thank you and, very much. Um, look forward to, to meeting you in person at some point in, in the future. Hopefully, yes, definitely. Thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye. And there we have it, a wonderful chat with Sarah demonstrating that you don't always need a meticulous plan, just keep your attitude strong and enjoy the journey. A big thank you to Sarah for coming on and sharing with us. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality, but until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.